Hello, hello to the podcast, Agroecology World, and this 17th episode. This is your host, Rob Cluson, a.k.a. Dr. K, and I want to welcome you in joining me again on this podcast. For your reference, this is the continuation of my introduction to two community groups in the seaside town of Westport, County Mayo, Ireland. That is the Key Community Garden and the Edible Landscape Project, both promoting sustainable community food systems in their region. In episode number 16, we met the Key Community Garden. In this episode number 17, we'll be meeting my mates from the Edible Landscape Project. But first, I thought you would appreciate getting a little more supplemental background information about the concept of a community food system to add to that presented in episode number 16. So one, a community food system should be local enough that its residents come to know each other, have opportunities to interact with one another in mutually satisfying ways around food, and that transporting food and farm inputs in and out of the community is considered when making food system decisions. Two, the area of a community food system can be as small as a neighborhood or as large as a town or city, including its surrounding growing region. Each community is encouraged to define its own boundary so that an increasing proportion of its food needs can be met as practically as possible through local sources. Number three, as described in the 2021 book, Building Community Food Webs, grassroots transformations of food systems into community food systems are being done by constructing civic networks and overturning extractive economic structures to build community health, wealth, capacity, and connection using key strategies such as the following. Build greater respect and mutual trust so community members can more effectively empower themselves and address local challenges. Farmers and researchers may convene to improve farming practices collaboratively. Health clinics help their clients grow food for themselves and attain better health. Food banks engage their customers to challenge the root causes of their poverty. Municipalities invest large sums to protect farmland from development. Developers forge links among local businesses to strengthen economic trade. Finally, educate leaders in communities marginalized by our current food system to charting a new path forward. In this episode number 17, we will be learning about the Edible Landscape Project, which focuses on the use of community food forest as an approach for community food system development. I know that many of the listeners of Agroecology World are familiar with the concept of food forest. However, if that's not the case for you, please don't worry because I've included some online resources for you at the end of this episode. 
In addition, I thought you would appreciate getting some background information now about the definition and sustainability benefits of community food forests, which are gaining worldwide popularity fueled by the movements of permaculture, agroecology, and agroforestry. One, as described in the 2018 book, Community Food Forest Handbook, How to Plan, Organize, and Nurture Edible Gathering Places, the definition of a community food forest is multidimensional. For example, first, the term food forest signifies a highly integrated community of plants that has various vertical and horizontal perennial and annual plant and root layers in a polyculture that provide edible products. Then when people connected such forested spaces, they shape their social sense of place, values, and identity and create community. Then when people connect around a food forest, along with bringing people together, other aspects are also important, such as dialogue. For example, reclaiming sovereignty over food production, using environmentally dynamic systems, as well as providing public spaces for wildlife conservation and for useful and safe places to gather, recreation, and work together. Thus, concepts of environment and society are critical pieces of a community food forest because both influence actions like planning, planting, and maintenance that transform ideas into real projects. Two, now community food forests can be found in a variety of locations. For example, churches, school and university campuses, and intentional communities. And in fact, in this episode, number 17, we'll hear about the installation of food forests on primary and secondary school campuses as part of the Edible Landscape Project. Worldwide, school food forests are gaining popularity because they offer a range of benefits that go beyond the school garden, such as First, while food forests and school gardens both provide space for an outdoor classroom experience, food forests offer a chance for students of all ages to learn in a fresh setting. Gardens can only focus on one layer of space. On the other hand, food forests use several layers of vertical space. Such a polyculture design of food forests teaches students that many more plants, fruits, and vegetables can be grown with less land. Food forests provide a space for students to connect with nature on a whole new level. Students learn about tiny plants on the forest floor and the tallest of trees. Therefore, they can also learn about natural forest and the seasonality of plants and wildlife. Interestingly, research on schools that include participatory designs by students of their food forest has reported that children will typically create fun spaces emphasizing that this is where learning 
really happens. Many such food forest designs commonly produce spaces to care and wonder, such as a central open space, out of sight places, bodies of water, food gardens that they can harvest and prepare themselves and for animals. And best of all, school food forests require minimum maintenance in comparison to school gardens. Community food forests are also increasingly found on public property managed by public works agencies or parks and recreation departments. Volunteers and civic organizations are often involved in their development and oversight. Regardless of their location, these projects are open to the public. It can be said that the popularity of community foods forests reflects a value shift, especially in urban pockets. It's all about engaging people in active participation to create the places they want to live in and to voice their opinion through action. In addition, community food forests have been documented to provide the following sustainability benefits to their communities. One, environmental benefits. They provide environmental services and stability, such as reduction of urban heat island effects, reduction of urban stormwater runoff from impervious land cover, the sequestration of carbon for climate action, creation of habitat for biodiversity. They provide fresh, healthy foods using sustainable agriculture production methods. They decrease the carbon footprint of foods. Two, social benefits. They provide spaces for recreation, education, and community building. They provide educational hub, civic engagement, and incubator for community food systems development. They provide interactive learning grounds focused on eco-literacy for creating urban green infrastructure in a built environment. They improve community health, especially due to poor nutrition and obesity in low-income neighborhoods. Three, economic benefits. They provide livelihoods and cooperative economic models for local food economy development. They provide highly productive working alternative models to industrial farms. They improve urban green spaces and trails to increase ecotourism benefits to local businesses. Now, before we jump into this episode, I also wanted to provide you with this background information taken from the website and the Facebook page of our guest, the Edible Landscape Project. One, their mission statement. The Edible Landscape Project encourages behavioral change in how and what we eat by giving communities the power to make food consumption and purchasing choices that promote our own health, the health of our communities, and the health of the planet. Their values statement is, 
Inspire people to make food choices that protect our own health, the health of our communities, and the health of our planet. Techniques that they employ. Using a wide range of techniques from the art of storytelling to tree planting, the Edible Landscape Project is a social enterprise that aims to mobilize consumers to transform the marketplace to a global sustainable food system. The Edible Landscape Project has a wide program of activities of community outreach and engagement for achieving their long-term goals, promoting a sustainable community food system. These activities include a food forest education program at County Mayo primary and secondary schools, a climate education youth program, the two degree podcast, the story of food videos made with local Westport food producers, cafes, and foodies. The videos focus on how climate change has and is impacting their businesses. Public climate conversations to promote Westport on the map as a leader of all things sustainable, community, and resilience. They have the Tree Towns Initiative, seeking to connect communities through the planting of edible landscapes and the building of community resilience to climate change. They hold workshops with local groups working together to design and plant an edible landscape of fruit and nut trees, shrubs, root and leaf vegetables, and wild herbs. For example, on selected sites along the 27-mile stretch of the Great Western Greenway, Ireland's longest public walkway and cycle path. My talks with my mates Katrina McCarthy and Michelle Granahan of the Edible Landscape Project took place in December 2021 and March 2022, respectively. So now let's welcome Katrina McCarthy to Agroecology World. Hi, Katrina. Okay. Uh, well, as you know, uh, I'm really, I'm really excited about being able to put together an episode about the community of people that I've been able to meet here. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that, uh, uh basically just, I, you know, I've, I've really been impressed by just the people I've met here and all the different skills they're bringing and then all the different connections they're making into the com greater community you know it's 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 really the just just the ideal situation and that's that's uh that's kind of what i had in mind to have have uh interviews that basically help the audience understand how you personally uh, were involved. I mean, 
thinking about you and your professional career, that's an interesting angle that uh, professionals, you know, in the education can get involved with uh, lay people from the community to help these things happen. And, and then just like, just, just like our, our, our group has, professionals in other professions can, can get involved. All that's, all that's very, uh, very insightful for me. And I hope, I hope it could also inspire other communities that might listen to the podcast to think about the pool of people that can be recruited, so to speak. So I guess starting out with uh, an introduction of yourself and then going into how you came to be part of the community that we have and maybe describing Edible Landscape Project for sure, but the way it, the, my experience has been the combination of Edible Landscape Project and the key community garden group. So that that partnership is 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 really uh, been been so impressive to me. And then I guess uh, how many ways you you see it growing in the future, as well as the accomplishments that you feel are already done. Yeah. So I. Uh, we moved to Westport. My name is Katrina McCarthy and um, <clears throat> I teach sustainability and entrepreneurship here in Westport. Um, and I also set up the Edible Landscape Project in about 2014. So we moved here to Westport in 2010, uh, just before the great big recession of uh, 2011 and the world collapsed. And it was a really interesting time. Um, so I ended up, I was a freelancer doing a lot of project management work and, but I ended up going back to college because all the freelance work just disappeared over the space of a month. And I did a horticulture course here in Westport. Now I have a primary degree, I have a postgrad in business um, and I kind of got interested in sustainability along the way, but um, I ended up in Westport doing a course and met Gemma. <laughs> and met a great bunch of people who all of us just clicked into horticulture, didn't have a huge amount of experience in it, but um, did this course. And then I went on to do a master's in organic farming after that. And I ended up teaching horticulture and teaching entrepreneurship. So I suppose a lot of my business background has come to play in my teaching, a lot of what I've done before and then my interest in sustainability. So that's really to cut a long story short. And as part of that master's, the Edible Landscape Project was was an idea I'd had. I had been doing a lot of work with Andy Wilson from fruitandnut.ie and we're now living in Andy's house. And okay. um, he's a really interesting man and he was way ahead of his time. And I did my work experience here. I worked with him for about six months in this house and we were, he was really into edibles. He was very practical and I'm very practical. So I learned so much from him and ended up setting up the Edible Landscape Project as a, as a follow-on to a thesis for the Masters in Organic Farming. The, and uh, the, I, yeah. I was just wondering, the, the, the background of organic farming now, uh, does that include everything from community uh, gardens all the way up to commercial, you know, all the different variations of organic farming? 
Not really. It was more livestock and uh, horticultural units, uh, commercial units. Okay. There was very little on community. Um, but I suppose Westport is just such a great community that it was obvious that it would spread to that, that it would come to that with me. Um, and I think Westport was very open, you know, to new things. It's one of those towns that people love to come to, like yourself, because new things are welcomed here. It's not every town that you would get the same response to something that's new, that's different. And in the early days, we were looking at the, I was looking at the link between climate change and food and seeing it as a community initiative where the Greenway had just opened. So that's the cycle route between Westport and Ackle. And it's the most beautiful route. I'm sure you've cycled it yourself. It's, I think, 42 yes. kilometers long. Yes. And we wanted to plant edibles along the route and teach communities along the route about the link between climate change and food. But there became, the, and, and, and there was an insurance issue because it was public land. So we ended up coming back to the key community centre and putting the garden in there, putting a teaching garden into the uh, key community centre. So it's a mix between that. I would bring my students down from the college, come down to help us down there, helped us set it up, helped us uh, create it in the, in the early days. And I kind of use it as a teaching tool. And then you have a great crew, a great group down there as well, who dip in and dip out. Um, so yeah, we've got the secondary schools involved now, which is brilliant. Uh, getting those kids, so kind of 15, 16, the boys involved, you know, building pallets for compost and understanding food forests. And that's a really interesting development. Um, so that there's, a, there's a real community element there. Uh, yeah, so it's a real community involvement, but Westport is a kind of town that, uh, that allows for that. So, so I'm also curious, so, uh, the food forest that that you and your students uh, established next to the community garden. Now, is that something that's part of your curriculum in your in your classes for a commercial application as well? No, I have made it a part of my curriculum because I teach sustainable farming, and I try to encourage people because it's it's very practical, you know, to to mimic a temperate woodland except with with edible with food, um trees and shrubs that are, are, are edible. So uh, no, it's not part of the curriculum, but I do make it part of the curriculum. All right. People love it. People love the idea of, of eating food. And the fact that, you know, you're keeping carbon in the ground and you're helping prevent climate change or you're helping slow down climate change. You know, it's, it's quite a slow process to teach people about, you know, the link between climate change and food. You can't do it in one session. So having a group for six months and seeing their whole attitude and ethos changes it's such a privilege for me to be able to see that particularly farmers because we would have some farmers in the class as well and and they've been doing what their fathers did and what their grandfathers have done over the years so it's teaching them something different but it's got such a practical application because it's agroforestry and it's just a you know a way of managing land but using trees different but very doable for all of us right so do you see uh, synergy between edible landscape project and the community garden there in terms of, uh, uh, I know some people are involved in both, both projects at the same time. Uh, just wondering how, how being next, you know, lo physically located uh, to the community garden has uh, in addition helped you expand what uh, the, 
the original activities that you had in mind for the food forest? I suppose for workshops, we could, we brought kids, you know, we brought kids there to do workshops on adults. It's great to have a base. It's great for people to see the difference between planting lots of annual plants and then growing the perennial plants, which we would have in the food forest. And I have a great photograph actually of the really hot summer, maybe two years ago when, you know, the soil, the difference between the two was very noticeable. So it's a very good teaching area. It's a very good, it's a very good area to bring people to show them the difference between annual and perennial planting and also having the likes of Gemma and the key community group down there they're there a lot and I'm teaching a lot so they keep an eye on it for us um, and they're less afraid of it now they do a bit of weeding we want people to be not to be afraid to go in there maybe plant something or eat something or try something and slowly but surely that's happening yeah yeah it's a very different concept I know in my own my own career, I was so happy to meet like-minded organizations in the community because then, uh, just like you, it helped me expand my programs and my education uh, courses because then I was also uh, piggybacking, so to speak, on what these other groups were doing, which complemented very well with uh, you know maybe some of the more strictly agriculture focus of my original programs okay very good yeah yeah um, yeah no it's really interesting so you and andy started edible landscape project well i did uh, andy was doing something um i suppose i was looking at what he was doing he he, he had his own thing going on um, and i learned a huge amount from him but i set it up because i did a i did a study for the the masters, I had to do a couple of um, research papers as to see a feasibility study initially with the council. I approached the council to see if they would allow us to plant. And I, I you know, contacted Westport Tidy Towns. I did a lot of groundwork to see if local community groups would be interested before I did anything. And they were really interested. So then I kickstarted it off. And I, I used a thesis then was the next stage as to how it would work. And then I set it up and then Paula joined me uh, along the way then as well in the early days. So it was really good. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of people, there's a lot of people in the, in the, in the town that are really interested in, in growing. So we learned so much from them, you know, as much as, you know, as much as we taught them, we learned from them as well. So a lot of shared knowledge there. So there were, there were some possibly groups or projects that preceded you even coming to Westport that help help sort of create a uh, receptive uh, attitude in in Westport. Well, yeah, you'd have people, you'd have a lot of interested gardeners who would be sustainably focused. Okay. Um, and people interested in birds, Birdwatch Ireland, uh, people interested in different things, and they really helped us. And then you had the Civic Trust who had been here for years, um, who did a lot of tree planting around the town and they kind of where the greenway is now the railway walk through Westport somebody wanted to make that a road I think and into a housing estate and they fought them and it became the beautiful walk that it is now so there were some really good vociferous kind of uh, environmental groups in the town that preceded us yeah absolutely now on the greenway I have noticed too there are some uh, wonderful displays of like habitats for 
native pollinators and things like that, in addition to uh, the fruit tree plantings. Is that something that was part of what you, you set up? Um, no, it was mainly um, just lines of trees that we couldn't really get permission to plant the food forest because, and because I suppose it's with a, an old railway line, the depth isn't there to on the side of the old railway line to create a food forest. You need more depth to do that. So we really just planted trees, but I actually do remember the beekeepers were delighted. We planted 10 trees just in the skate park in Westport and the beekeepers were just delighted because it meant more pollinating, uh, uh, more, more pollinators for their, for, their, um, for their bees around town. Mm -hmm. So no, it's mainly fruit trees. It's a mix of fruit trees though. Right, right. So I know that uh, one of the newest, newest projects is with the local schools, the Food Forest Education Project. And that, uh, that seems to be going very well, very quickly. And it, uh, it's also interesting that, that uh, the teachers are very enthusiastic about it and, and you're getting good, good publicity to maybe expand it outside of Westport area, maybe, uh, you know, just, just uh, so that has something to keep nurturing, to keep growing. What other, uh, maybe explain a little bit about that project and how you, how you hope to see it go as well as any other project you have in the works that, uh, hopefully can be spun off of things that are going on right now. Yeah, well, I, I, the Food Forest, the Climate Education Programme, it really is the fact that the Climate Action Bill has come into law now. And that's a very recent thing. So um, you have a lot of kids who are suffering from climate anxiety, and you've got a lot of teachers who want to teach the kids how to engage with climate change because they're kids in their classrooms are suffering from climate anxiety. So timing is everything, Robert. I mean, there's been so much work done on the Edible Landscape Project for years. Um, and I think until the law came in here, it just, it was, it was going nowhere. So I suppose we're, it's just timing. Um, somebody, somebody we know here in town rewrote the, um, and this is something that I think is just critical that's so, it's overlooked for, um, in the whole area of climate change is, we got, got somebody who wrote um, part of the curriculum for the primary schools and kind of the, the learning from edible landscape and then detailed it into the primary school curriculum. So teachers now can teach uh, a climate education program from the edible landscape, but it's not something extra. It's part of their curriculum. And that makes a huge difference to a very overburdened teacher. So there's lots of pluses to it. Um, we're trialing it at the moment in seven schools in Westport and Casabar, and um, we are then expanding out to 30 schools in, in, the, uh, in the new year. So it's an absolute labour of love. There's been so much work gone into it. And the reason it's accelerated, really, as I said, there's been just years of work that have gone into it that have just allowed that acceleration to take place. Um, the kids love it because they love being out in the dirt. They love getting, you know, we bring in bags of farmyard manure to set the food forest up. They just love it. Um, it they have fun, you know, it's all about learning, you know, it's positive engagement for them because 
you know, as a parent said to me lately, her daughter goes around the house switching off the lights because that's all she knows what to do to engage with climate change. So, you know, I think what we've, you know, this is real climate action. So it's 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 helping kids to engage positively with climate change. And at the same time, they're having a bit of fun. And that's what that's what life's all about. I agree. Yeah, in my in my experience, uh, I was fortunate to get involved with the school garden movement. So, so that same exact same uh, thing happened. Just uh, being able to let the students come out and just go through all the emotions. I mean, some of them, I don't think they'd ever put their hands in the soil before and uh, getting past that initial inhibition. Other ones were so glad to show off what they knew because their family were, were gardeners and, and they had uh, a lot of things to share with their fellow students. Just, it's, it's a marvelous thing to see happen unfold right in front of you. It is, and, and again, it, if it wasn't for the fact that if this is legal, this is a legal requirement now, I don't think we, would, we, we still wouldn't be getting the support that we need, you know, so it's it's the fact that the law has changed, has made this, made this so much more possible and has made it possible at all and has expedited the whole process. So we are now, you know, we're trying to get the funding in place. Everything else is in place. We just need to get the funding to accelerate to, you know, to more schools. We have the model. We know the kids love it. It's a no-brainer. So, you know, so that's taken up a lot of time. I suppose I have a full-time job as well, and, and this is a labour of love, but I have brought students of mine in from previous years in to help with this. So um, they have engaged, They because I have taught them about sustainable horticulture. They've been down to the key. They understand it. They get it. And that's brilliant as well. And I'd hope to bring more of them in. And hopefully, I mean, this is a social enterprise, so hopefully they will you know, getting be getting paid for the work that they're doing because community work is great, but I see groups and, you know, you have to pay people even a small amount to keep the work going. If you, you can't expect people to work forever for nothing. And that's how I've seen in over the years how groups have imploded because there hasn't been a sustainability factor there. That's, so, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's another fascinating aspect to what, you, what you're doing, the social enterprise uh dimension maybe explain a little bit about how you're setting that up or have set it up and and what kind of opportunities it it uh gives you i know you just said it helps reward people financially for for the time put in which is uh, also extremely important uh, but uh, if you you know if you don't mind, just talk about how how you envision what a social enterprise can be. Um, so a social enterprise is a business that sets up that that is set up and it, it uh, has either a social or an environmental return. Um, and in our case, obviously, it's an environmental because we're teaching people about between the link between climate change and food. But that could just as easily be a social aspect. Um, and the funding. Um, you know, people get paid a reasonable amount of money, but there's no directors. So any profit, and you're expected to make a profit, which I like with this, the profit goes back into the business. Um, 
So there's nobody making millions out of it, but people will get, you know, if you're doing a few hours work, you get a few hours, you know, paid for the work that you do. And it has become something, it's very um, well accepted in the UK, but in Ireland, social enterprises for a long time, we're seeing that, you know, people, well, why would you pay people to do things for free? You know, Meals and Wheels would be an example. Now in Ireland, it's a very recent move is to get to build social enterprises because we are providing a service that the government isn't providing. So therefore, there really needs to be some funding from the government. And yes, there, and there is, but there also needs to be a product or a service that can be sold uh, to keep the, the, the social enterprise going as well. So there's a business element to it. And nowadays, even to get social enterprise funding, you have to show that you are financially vi viable. And I think in the long term, it will actually kind of strengthen the whole social enterprise area and there will be a lot more of them. Now, if you take it from a West, from a male point of view, males very much of the West Coast of Ireland were remote from Dublin. Um, and I see it myself because I'm from Dublin originally and a lot of the businesses, you kind of, they kind of forget that Mayo exists. You know, Dublin is the centre of everything. I'm sure it's the same in every country. So what we want to do is kind of provide and actually provide paid work for people who to stay here and live their lives here, that they don't have to go to Galway or they don't have to go to Dublin. You can do a horticulture course and get qualified and get work in our social enterprise and stay here and live here and be part of the community here. So that's a really important part that, you know, for us that the Edible Landscape Park project is such a part of the Mayo community. And that's why here we're scaling up, we're starting our you know, food forest education program in local schools. We're gonna scale up throughout Mayo and then hopefully nationally, but first first call is Mayo. Yeah, um, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Cause I, I always, appreciated the dual purposes of community food systems. Well, yes, you want to provide healthy food for uh, local consumers, but you're also talking about local food economy, just like you're saying, giving people mm -hmm. uh, jobs that they could uh, be happy with and stay in their, in their home area and not have to leave. Yeah, and you know, over the years, I've had like horticulture students who have set up horticulture, commercial horticulture units, and these would be people who've had their own land, so they weren't paying a mortgage on land, and uh, they might have had to buy polytunnels. Um, but I know actually one or two of them would have had, you know, they would have got the frames, and all they've had to, they had to do was put the plastic on, and they ended up after two or three years having to give it up because it was just not sustainable because there isn't the same, not the same interest, but the same impetus or the same level of supports initially for horticultural units to, to, to mature and to thrive. And that needs to be changed. And I think now with the Climate Action Bill, and I think with the Greens in power, I really hope that there will be more funding for people to set up, you know, there's a lot of uh, meat and et cetera being, um, being produced here, but there needs to be the same level of intensity with with vegetables because we have very, very few local producers and they are really popular, which I love, but we could do it more and they would say the same to you as well. So they need to be supported. So you have to be able to 
as happened in Cuba with the with the oil crisis, that the the Cubans suddenly the farmers who really weren't valued at all became very valuable because they were producing the food. Hopefully, it won't be as drastic here, but I'd like to see more more kind of more honor really given to the local farmers. Well, from my perspective, you know, I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed being part of the community for the time we we spent here. Uh, and just like you're saying, with the legislation and, and everything that's that's uh, happening around climate action, uh, but also so many other aspects uh, related to healthy food grown organically that so it's it's it, there's so much potential for the very near future and and uh, the creativity that'll that'll uh, come from it you know is going to be very very interesting to watch and I know I'll be keeping close tabs myself and making making uh, hopefully return visits to to uh, to learn about how how it's all happening hopefully you'll be back for a few visits all right back to the key and have a have a little go at what's happening in the polytunnel and the food forest next summer yes yes for sure so well we're getting close to the end of the 40 minutes that they give us to use so i guess uh, like any interviewer says if there's any parting uh words that you wanted to share uh now's the time well just to say thank you for helping get things back on track over the summer it was great to have you it was great to meet you and you played, played a big part yourself in you know helping things move to the next stage which we really have accelerated to so thank you very much as well Robert and uh, the very best of luck in Spain Okay, thank you. Yeah, it's. Uh, I have to confess, it's a happy and a sad uh, feeling that we have, and definitely we'll be back to Westport for sure. So, all right, Brilliant. thank you so much. Brilliant. All right, take care. Okay. Bye. Now we'll welcome Michelle Granahan to Agroecology World. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much for making some time to do this. Oh no, this is yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, yeah. So 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 you had a full day today at school? Or is you No, I wasn't in school. I wasn't a like so I did my test this morning and um, no school, you see. <laughs> okay, yeah, because everybody's, yeah. everybody's waiting for tomorrow, right? The big day. Yeah, well, the kid, my class, my school had a really busy day today. We were doing, because it's a Gale skull that I teach in. Okay. Have you, you've seen the Gale skulls? They would be, we speak Irish in the school. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I, um, it's I, like, I, I did have not been to one, but that sounds yeah. very interesting, yeah. It's the, um, I know um, there's a, 
like in certainly in Canada, there's a big thing about immersion schools. So it would be like that. It would be children that would speak English at home, but in school we just immerse them in Irish. But um, we had a big party day today, so it was really awkward because I was supposed to be collecting ukuleles and dropping them to this square where we were going to be having this music and and chairs and and, and we'd all this plan, and then suddenly the test this morning. I was like, no. So uh, other other people had to do that dropping and picking up and yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's the who, nature. Who plays the ukuleles? The children? Um, all my class. Yeah, they they do. Um, yeah. So they had. Um, yeah, they, they there's a, a a really good project. So um, say the ten and eleven year olds they do this two year program of learning ukulele with a music teacher. So normally I teach everything, but then when you can do this, when you can get funding to get somebody in, it's really super because to have a musician, like the guy who comes in is actually a musician and he's, yeah. he's really, yeah, he's really good. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that reminds me, I remember when Katrina organized that that little workshop at the uh, Edible Landscape Project there next to the key community garden that I met some uh, young people that were musicians and we were talking about the possibility of doing a concert at the garden. Yeah. Didn't get around to doing it, but uh, it's, uh, it's also a, a really neat idea to do at maybe at on the grounds of the food forest too, yeah. Yeah, well, our our ukulele teacher is a big guard, big grower. He's really into it. So um, he 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 recorded um, his music video in the polytunnel. <laughs> oh wow! So, yeah, wow. so I'll send I, I'll send it on to you just for fun because it's a um, nice music, and um, himself and his friends are all into growing. You know they 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 grow a lot potatoes and tunnel they have tunnels and they yeah so his musician friends are all into into growing as well which is really nice yeah. oh that's great that's great yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure you do or try to do as much as you can mixing arts into gardening and uh, all of the other uh, subjects Absolutely. that uh, yeah. that uh, I've always appreciated that. If you can find ways to blend all of the different disciplines. Well, that's really central in our curriculum is to be very much um, integrating all the subjects. So gardening or anything really to do with it really does. It, you know, you, you have to measure out and you're, you're there's an awful lot of maths. There's an awful lot of geography. There's a lot of science. There's so many subjects. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no. Uh, yeah, that kind of reminds me of like Waldorf schools and Montessori schools, things like that. Uh, are you, uh, do you have, just kind of curious, is your training, your academic background into? Yeah, so I did Frebel training. So Frebel, Frederick Froebel would be, um, he'd have been a peer of Montessori. Uh -huh. okay. So he has um, a great phrase, which is very dated. Um, we have to mind everything in the garden, even the weeds. <laughs> okay, all right. all right. So that was his uh, 
phrase, which is definitely quite dated, uh, but um, his his philosophy was very much, um, yeah, so it was that it was quite similar to Montessori. But uh, so Freville training, um, it's normal primary school, you're, nor you're qualified as a normal primary school teacher, but that would have been the philosophy that that college would have been set up with. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, you might find it interesting. Uh, where I did my final graduate studies uh, at the University of California in Santa Cruz. Now there, we had a farm and garden on the campus and they uh, had an apprenticeship program as well as a, an academic program. And so it was started by a Englishman, Alan Chadwick. And he apparently was a thespian who uh, combined biodynamic and French biointensive techniques. And one of his favorite sayings I remember because I, I have a sweatshirt that they used to print it on uh, to uh, raise some funds was uh, first cultivate the mind. And so uh, he, uh, he, I, I never met him. He, he, he uh, wasn't there when I went there to study, but he would do plays out in the garden, the farm. And, and then he would invite his musician friends to come give concerts. And, and uh, it, uh, it, it's again, another example of, a, of uh, trying to, make it as holistic an experience as, as possible absolutely yeah and the, like that's what my, my big my big um drive with the with the edible landscape project is that the the irish primary school curriculum as it stands is really central that nature is so central to it and historically it would have been um more even more central and then in recent years, it seems to be like it's still there in the curriculum. It's still central in the curriculum. But I suppose how much tea people tap into it. Um, but it's definitely that thing of using using the the the, na the natural world to to teach all of your subjects. That is historically has been very important in the Irish curriculum. Well, um, that's great to hear, maybe. Maybe we'll use your comments to maybe launch our conversation that I'll that I yeah. will put into this episode because uh, essentially my uh, you know I've I've talked with Katrina and Gemma and so I'm basically trying to collect a couple different voices of people that I was lucky enough to meet when I was there that can kind of demonstrate or represent the variety and diversity of activities going on and also people involved that's that uh, that you know it was it was a bit of a bittersweet uh, emotion for me that we that we did leave just because I was really enjoying learning about what everyone's interested in and, and the different activities that were being developed 
all related to the two projects that, that were side by side, Edible Landscaping Project and Key Community Garden. So maybe we'll just kind of start the conversation where you can uh, give us a little bit of a overview of personally what draws you to this kind of connection of growing food and and also touch upon of course the food forest project that you're teaching now and and how it's going you've got that wonderful article you shared with everybody and and just uh, where you hope it, you hope to see it go you know that's kind of kind of uh, what I what I would love to capture in my episode is, is just sort of where you would like to, to help shape its future activities uh, and within your school, but also maybe you have other interests that you that you see you'd like to go with the people that you meet at the two two projects. Yeah, great. So um, I suppose that I was involved with the Edible Landscape Project just in a as in a community as, as a member of the community and interested. But I know then when they when they mooted doing it as a, a project in schools, I immediately contacted Katrina because I was really interested in in promoting the fact, as I, as, as, as I was saying to you um, just now, that um, so I came on board with the Edible Landscape Project because I felt as a teacher who was really interested in the outdoors and in nature, I thought that this project was really, really exciting. And um, what I really liked about the Edible Landscape Project and the Food Forest Project was that it was such an achievable patch of ground that can be dedicated to a little bit of permaculture in every single school and every single school in the country could actually have this little patch so obviously we um we have to start locally so we just started with schools in Westport and Castlebar and we approached people we knew and asked them if they'd be interested and then I put together some lessons and these lessons were based uh, they were like they were all from the curriculum and Historically, the Irish primary school curriculum really, really celebrates nature and it's a very central part of the curriculum. So that's why I really wanted to make sure that we brought that back in so that the that the, that it was celebrated and that there was no extra work for teachers. There was no extra um, drain that we had to, to start teaching climate change and because you can teach climate change through all of these. You're not teaching, you're teaching um, really positive positive actions that the children and the, the, the community can take to, to, to plant and to start thinking about food and getting sourcing their own food locally. Now, I'm interested, you know, one of the things Katrina always uh, told me about was she's very concerned uh, about, I guess you might say the mental health or the, the impact on young children about the messaging out there every day we hear something about the impacts of climate change and almost the 
hopelessness of how one person can make a difference and where she wants this project to be a positive climate action project. Do you see that in your students? Are they, are they showing signs of, uh, you know, distress over all of this news related to climate change? So there's, I suppose there's two sides to this. So first off is that will be adults that will be putting this stress on children. Children naturally are, children naturally, if they're just left be, will just go into nature and just enjoy nature and be in nature. That's their natural default setting. And then if we start as adults, start putting all of this, this um, the climate change stress on, on them, it doesn't, it, it really is counterproductive because they're not emotionally ready to deal with that. And um, there was um, there was a study done back in uh, of people my age back in, in Germany, and they 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 actually told the children um, the, the 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 bad news. They told them really they tried to shock them into action. And what happened was the opposite. It actually made them turn them off completely. Um, turned them off doing anything because it was like well this is a hopeless case we can't do anything so what we're trying to do with the food forest project is is not is, is not do that at all we're really trying to give the children practical um steps that they can take so you've got a lesson on biodiversity and it's a lesson where you're noticing the biodiversity encouraging the biodiversity and um, the lesson on water about how we use water how to conserve water but it's it's, it's all very productive Pro proactive lessons and it, it really is trying to give them a solution and it's very much solution based rather than um the catastrophe and the the bad news because it, it's small uh, primary school children are not are, it, you have to be very careful how you 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 teach these things it has to be age appropriate yes yes i'm curious in your school how um do you see your your students just for one year or do you follow them through several years of school as their primary it, teacher normally you stay with the same teacher for the first two years but then it's we in our school we generally um you have you just one year then after that okay all right mm. i was just wondering with the food forest project as a curriculum you can't obviously accomplish everything you want in one year. So, so um, you have fellow teachers that are going to receive them after you that continue continue the the messaging of the food forest. Absolutely, um, teachers are generally any teacher that we've given the education pack to have been really delighted because there is, as I said, there's no, there's nothing new. There's nothing nothing that's not on the curriculum but it it has that lens that has the climate change lens and it has the food forest lens so it actually it's it's just very helpful so any teacher so far that we've given it to has been really delighted to have this little bit of these lessons um, as a bit of structure and to know how to approach it yeah. that's great that's so great to hear mm. well i'm i'm very curious about um the reception or if you had feedback from your article that that you shared you wrote in the teachers magazine is that have you been in contact with the teachers outside of county mayo that uh, were want to learn more about what 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 what's going on 
I definitely know there are there are definitely teachers in other counties that are really interested and they have been in touch. Um, but we we are we are only able to move as fast as I suppose it's a tricky one as well for fun, with funding. We need to, you know it needs to be it needs to be lined up correctly and um, the right people. So we've got a new member of staff now who's um, starting to she's taken over because I'm obviously working full-time teaching. So she's taken over. So she's able to liaise with schools during the daytime, which is super. And um, it, there was definitely, there's a lot of interest down in Cork and in, in other counties as well. But um, it's just a matter of, I suppose, hopefully time and lining, lining funding up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and uh, well, like even even for yourself, do you feel like uh, you would you would benefit from some more in educational training or information about the food forest? I know, I know that uh, there are general concepts that uh, I'm I'm sure you're well aware of, but uh, just just curious about how deep you want to go into. The, the material yourself to be able to share that more in different ways with your students? Well, completely, because I, I, I think that the food forest is a really exciting option. And like you look at a country like Ireland, we have so much available space. We have so much space around us and it's not being used. And the idea with the food forest is, 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 um, is so excellent because it's not it's not intensive farming it's not it's it's about it's about letting things be a lot of the time so i think it would really suit uh, a lot of our landscape so i personally want to definitely want to find out more about um about food forestry myself and then to do with schools then try then you then the more the more i suppose i can learn then the, the better i can pick out the the elements that i need to um to, to bring through to the next lessons. Um, I like already my brain was taking say um, a big thing for food waste for the next set of lessons to do with ugly vegetables and <laughs> all of that, you know, and, and like once children grow vegetables or grow anything from the food forest, they'll say, oh, look at that apple. It's not, they're not all the same. And then suddenly as they notice that they're not all the same, natural selection happens and then the more that they notice that, then they realize it's okay not to have in the supermarket to buy things that things that don't look the exact same. Yeah, yeah. I was really lucky to get involved with school garden education programs in in the States. And I'll never forget one, one uh, incident at a school cafeteria. We were featuring potatoes from a local potato farmer. And the children had to come up and ask their teacher how to eat a whole potato because they were only familiar with French fries. Wow. And uh, the teacher was very sharp and quick. She said, oh, it's just like an apple. Eat it like an apple. And they did. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, that... Uh, I'm sure you find some of that with some of your students that well, that's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's funny you mentioned that one because that's exactly, I had something not as a, a potato and I'm teaching in K 
County Mayo in the west of Ireland. So one would expect that the children would know about potatoes. So we were doing, uh, we were growing potatoes and we had the seed potatoes and the children, I asked them in their copies to draw a picture. This was um, a younger class. They were maybe seven, eight, and they were asked to draw a picture of how many potatoes each, each potato would grow like how many would they would, would they would harvest at the end so I didn't check their predictions because I just let it was just a picture that we were going to be revisiting so anyway then when they revisited the picture after the potatoes grew and um, they all had apple trees <laughs> with <laughs> with potatoes uh, hanging off them uh, okay <laughs> and it was what was brilliant was I actually didn't notice it was quite not not all of them but I would say half the class and I was quite shocked but what was brilliant was I didn't actually get to see it until they realized their mistake which was obviously way more valuable yeah yeah, um, yeah. as a as a teacher it's way more valuable for them to go oh my goodness look what I look what I did I can't believe I thought potatoes grew like apples on a tree so yeah. uh yeah 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 the you know, one of the great things about uh, being a teacher, uh, you know, as uh, is, of course, you hope that the information gets shared so your students could be taking this information to their families. Right. And and uh, completely. And that's that's like that's where education is so, so important. And like we're coming into a really new phase of with so many things going on at the moment in the world I think people are really starting to understand that we actually need to have a lot more uh, trace on where our food is coming from and it's starting to become a, like just even in the last few weeks it's just growing and growing so the more we can do in schools to show the children how you can easily do a certain amount the more we do that the more the more valuable it is for for all of society that's 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 fantastic and uh, so how do you see uh, i mean obviously i know katrina uh, and all the teachers came together and worked very quickly on putting together the curriculum and and bring in the, all of the resources together to make this happen. I don't, I don't think you had more than a few months, right? To, to put it yeah. all together, put it all yeah. together <laughs> in time for the school year. And uh, now is that, uh, you know, is that a testimony to the strength and the uh, capacity of the Edible Landscape Project and the Key Community Garden? I mean, do you see that group as being a hub that can, they're helping you and your fellow teachers, but that you could, you could see other ways that they can uh, facilitate these, these kinds of outreach. Uh, just kind of wondering how you hope to see that collaboration grow in the, in the years to come. Absolutely. I think the edible landscape is a complete and hub is the great word because it is like there's a, there's so many different projects going on with it within the edible landscape project and the education is the side that I, I suppose, came in on. But 
like even to do with with so many community schemes and projects it's it's just fantastic because it'll just it can shift the way that we are thinking about our food and it will also I think as well sometimes shift that the, the the thing where you actually start to think about your food where it's coming from because a lot of the time we're not we're just you know so I think that that's what the edible landscape is really able to do and um, just shift that that societal thinking um, I, I know there's just the, the, the projects that they're involved in so far, there's, there's, a, there's, there's, some ama there's amazing ideas, really amazing ideas, and it's just getting them developed and out into the, into the different areas. Um, and I think I, I, it definitely can work, definitely can work. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was so lucky this last weekend, my son and I, he's, he, he's visiting us right now, we were able to volunteer uh, up in a mountain uh, village in helping them prepare their mountain irrigation system for the growing season. And it's uh, very interesting that that, you know, it's, it's, that's embedded in their culture, you know, just like uh, just a connection with history and culture with what's the sustainable way to grow food you know in Ireland I was introduced to the traditional home garden because my wife is uh you know one of the reasons we, we came to Ireland was because she has distant relatives that we've met in Ballina and and they were they took us to show the old family cottage and showed us where the fruit trees used to be and the garden and everything that, uh, uh, you know, that part of your culture and history can get lost and forgotten about so quickly. And a permaculture food forest could help, you know, help people remember what was part of Ireland, of Irish life. And yeah. It was, it was so recently, we were just talking about, like when I grew up, we did grow vegetables, but it was only hobby in our garden whereas my grandparents it was completely normal that was just the way they did it and the house we're living in at the moment actually has um a, a, a bit on the side which is called we would call it a food forest but earth and a forest garden but um it's the old word would be haggard haggard so haggard yeah and you and you had the the gari that the gari would be where you'd grow your vegetables and the gorging would be where you'd have your your flowers so there was very much those three distinct areas to grow around old houses mm. and uh like so you're you're like the at the trees in the haggard the 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 vegetables in the, in the gari and then the the, the front garden the, the flowers so like those would be that would be that was really in very recent memory um, and like that's what's just so sad how it's it's so quick that we've seemed to have lost that knowledge and lost that just the 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 possibility that you can just actually throw a few potatoes in the ground so I think that's what's really starting to to come back a lot and a lot more people are interested in and as you said the permaculture I think is a really good mix because it's not too intensive it's just uh, once you set it up your your work is 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 setting it up and then you let it do its thing you know well you know uh i can see where it's a very exciting 
time because it's only the initial year. And if it's anything like the school garden projects that I was involved with, it takes a little bit of time for all of the faculty in the school to come to realize how their particular subject can be part of, uh, of a food forest or a school garden, but that uh, when it does happen, it's really amazing. You, just like you say, you can teach so many subjects around being out in nature. And yeah. uh, it's, uh, I always, I always uh, looked forward to talking to another teacher who maybe wasn't part of the, you know, the initial setup of the, uh, of the school garden, but that very much became a very proactive member of the, of the program. Uh, yeah. And, and, and uh, so it's, it's, I'm definitely, well, we hope to come, come back and visit in, in uh, the summer, fall, we haven't decided yet. So okay. besides, I hope to keep involved remotely, you know, if there's any any way that I can still contribute to things that are going on. I, I'm actually, come to think of it, I'm working with one of the gardeners. We're hoping to uh, do some videos around wormeries. And uh, do you know Zana? Zana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, uh, I'm helping her put together a script because we would like to make her son a celebrity. And well, she's um, she's very knowledgeable. Jana is very knowledgeable, and her son is a really good speaker. <laughs> so I think they could be a great mix. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I had a chance to speak with him a couple occasions, and exactly, he he has a very curious mind, picks up on things very quickly, and like you say, very good speaker. And so, uh, what I was uh, talking to. Uh, communicating with Xana was that why don't why don't we make a, a version that could be used by teachers you know it could uh, it, it'd be something made by kids for kids and brilliant and so uh, hopefully what that, that'll come to be in the not too distant future lovely yeah. that sounds really good yeah and yeah. um, no, that's brilliant because we, yeah, and we we will definitely be picking your brains if you're over and if we're um, if we manage to buy what we want to buy, um, we'll be uh, yeah, <laughs> you you yeah, it's good, it's good. Yeah. Well, I've been I've been following the WhatsApp groups, so I know it's a boy. The level of activity has just picked up. I mean, every it, it's great, you know. There's. The, all, all of these uh, things I've been reading, uh, following, okay, there's going to be, a, there's meeting with the Green Party, there's a uh, researcher in Galway that wants to talk about uh, traditional knowledge, and then, well, tomorrow at the St. Patty's Parade, there's a float, right, that uh, yeah, yeah. organized, so it's, it's great to see all this activity flourishing, and, and and uh, everybody having a chance to get involved and and keep on finding different ways to get the message out. And but the whole climate change—it's not just the edible landscape. The whole climate change theme is about um, the whole the whole sorry the whole 
Patrick's Day parade theme is about climate change. So everybody's looking for bee costumes and everybody <laughs> in Westports is going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, great. And they've yeah. banned cars. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that there'll be a YouTube video I can watch somebody. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. Yeah. So, well, uh, let's uh, maybe, I, I don't want to take up your whole evening. Uh, so if you have any words of advice you want to say to someone listening to this and think, well, I wonder if I can do that, you know, how to, how to get started. As in, a, a, in an uh, educational context or yeah, in a... Sure. Yeah, yeah. education's fine, yeah. Yeah, so like, I think, I, I think it's uh, really easy as, I suppose, no, I won't say easy, <laughs> but it's an, like, it's an easy buy-in. I suppose, from the children, because the children already have a natural interest and curiosity about all of these things. All of the themes that we're teaching in the in the food forest is are all the very obvious themes that are nature themes that children are really interested in already. So I think that it is a, re, um, a really worthwhile project project to do with any group because you're you're working with what the children are already interested in and then you're bringing them to this understanding about how the world works and how we all work together and it's 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 not man dominating landscape it's actually everybody working all the different creatures work together which is which i think is more natural for children and and makes sometimes when you're doing these things with children it's it makes more sense to them than it might do to an adult group mm -hmm. so i would really recommend this to any group that's good i, I like that um i know i remember uh, picasso used to say find your child inside you to learn how to paint <laughs> so uh, yeah. so yeah the wisdom of being of, of children is is definitely something that we need to need to uh not only enjoy, but to be inspired from. Yeah. And harness, harness it harness, and, and yeah. not not um not let it escape. <laughs> yeah. Because they they have, yeah, they have the answers sometimes when they're quite little. And then we yeah. So no, I think I think um I think that a lot of the and and like say sometimes as well in modern society, people say, oh, children aren't happy with the simple things in life. And I know for a fact that is not true, because when you are actually working with children every day, you know that the simplest thing in the world, the simplest thing they are re get really excited by. Um, and this is a narrative that adults have put on to children that they're only happy with computers or screens and all of this. But that is definitely when, when anybody who work with children will tell you that's not true. Right, right. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Michelle. And I uh, look forward to reading your next article. You, you, I hope you're already writing that follow-up article. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, prefer, I, I prefer to write education packs than articles. I'm, yeah, I find articles trickier. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, is it okay if I give them a way of contacting you if they have a question or something, a, a listener, because you never know who's going to listen to the podcast. And yeah, 
just uh, um now yeah. what's the best way to go through maybe to the like well does do, are you putting in the edible landscape yes yes uh, yeah maybe through edible landscape then yeah through them because then it would mean then i'll definitely get it then and it, nice to talk to you again okay see you soon okay bye-bye michelle bye well there you have it my conversations with katrina and michelle of the edible landscape project i hope that you too found it as informative and inspiring as i did and may use their ideas for your community. If you want further contact information and see photos of the Edible Landscape Project, as well as their Food Forest School Education Program, please check out their website, which is https colon forward slash forward slash www.ediblelandscape.com dot ie forward slash and their facebook web web page searchable as edible landscape project and for those of you who want information in greater depth about community food forests and community food systems i highly suggest several sources online the website page creating a food forest step-by-step guide. It's found at https colon forward slash forward slash permacultureapprentice all the all one word dot com forward slash creating dash a dash food dash forest dash step dash by dash step dash guide forward slash. Also the webpage of the article Food Forest, Their Services and Sustainability, found at the webpage https colon forward slash forward slash www.researchgate.net forward slash publication forward slash three five three one seven seven zero one five underscore food with a capital F underscore forest underscore there with a capital T underscore services underscore and underscore sustainability. Then there's the web page of the article Food Forest, A Step Above School Gardens. Go to the webpage https colon forward slash forward slash forest nation, all one word, dot com forward slash blog forward slash food dash forest dash a dash step dash above dash school dash gardens forward slash then there's the website for community food forest go to https colon forward slash 
forward slash community food forest, all one word, plural, dot com. And there's the website, Crossroads Resource Center, Tools for Community Self-Determination, which can be found at https colon forward slash forward slash www dot crc works period org forward slash question mark submit equals home page finally check out the open source journal of agriculture food systems and community development at https colon forward slash forward slash food systems journal all one word dot org happy trails until we meet again at my next episode of agroecology world from another stop in my world travels and as always i really want to express my appreciation to all my listeners efforts in becoming regular listeners and spreading the word about the Agroecology World podcasts to their friends. Check out, too, the WordPress website for Agroecology World and the Facebook website that were announced in episode number 14. Your participation as an active listener is helping me achieve the goal of my podcast. That is, the free exchange of ideas and contact information for worldwide groups that are leading the transition to agroecology and sustainable community food systems.